Folks, we're doing this uh, series. We're going through Second Peter. We're entitled the series Faith in a Hostile World. And if you remember, I've told you that what's hostile to us is not what's going on outside of the church. The church has always existed in an antagonistic world towards your faith. Okay, so that, that's not at all. When you read the New Testament, they were growing in that kind of a world. We don't even exist in a world like that world, although there are Christians around the world who are. But the greatest threats are actually within us, or in our church, or in our churches. So we looked at one of them last week. One of the greatest threats is you not understanding your salvation. And, and that's really what chapter 1 covers. The second greatest threat is really false teachers. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, the Buddhists and the Hindus and, and the Muslims, yeah, they're a threat to... No, 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 that's not a false teacher. That's a false religion. False teachers actually come from within the church. Well, yeah, George, I know the guy's on TV and they're always wanting money and stuff. No, no, I'm not talking about them either. You might actually be shocked that at one time or another you were influenced by a false teacher. Really? Yeah. And the danger is, is that you will be influenced again. Because what a false teacher does is he comes along and he dilutes the gospel for you. He comes and communicates very subtly a message where you begin to see yourself not as a saved person based upon your faith in Jesus, but maybe as somebody who is, quote, going to make it because you're doing all the acceptable things. Do you understand? We'll talk a little bit more about this because this whole chapter talks about the reality of false teachers. You say, what do you mean I've been influenced by a false teacher? Yeah, I have. In fact, I once had a key man in my life who ended up being false. He held all the right doctrine, preached all the right messages, but his life was false. And he suddenly introduced to the people around him contrary thinking to what the scripture says and you can fall under that i had one time you can so we're going to talk today about the enemy within and that's really the second biggest threat and i think it's interesting because if you read through second peter he starts off talking about an understanding of salvation and he, he ends up that discussion by saying, I'm going to keep teaching this to you because you have to be reminded. And the very next thing he gets into, which is chapter 2, what we're going to look at today, is beware of the false teachers among you who will pervert the message. Actually, the word perverted there is not in a sense of a sexual perversion, but in the sense of twisting the message, of twisting it into something that it's not. We see that happening a lot today. And you might be shocked when you think about it, about how maybe in your past you've had a teacher that really ended up twisting the message. So we're going to look at this together. But before we look at this together, I just want to talk about a very real threat. I've got two points I want to make here. Two points that you and I need to reflect on. Very real threat. Here's the first one. We see, this is our tendency, we see false teachers as coming from outside of the church. 
That's, that's what we think. I mean, when you talk to people about false teaching, the first thing that will come out of their mouth is Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses. But I'm going to be honest with you folks, those are cults, but that's not false teaching. I mean, it is false teaching, it's false doctrine, it's false heresies, yes. But that's not the false teaching that you're to be on guard against, because that's obvious. Somebody tells you that Jesus and Satan were brothers, you would recognize that that's just a bunch of baloney. But that's not the false teaching you need to be, you should be already on guard against that anyhow, but it's the people that are within the church who rise up among us, and they do rise up among us, who introduce subtle, perverse teaching, twisted teaching that we've got to be aware of. So here's the first one. We, we see false teachers as coming from outside. But here's the problem. We focus on obvious errors, but ignore subtle heresies. We focus on obvious errors. So we, we focus on when somebody comes in here and tells you that Jesus wasn't God, we're like, well, he's wrong. Yeah, but you know what? That's obvious. But it's the subtle things that we don't focus on. What do you mean subtle? Well, how many of you have heard this? Your acceptance with God is based upon where you go eat in a restaurant, which restaurant you go to, whether or not it has a bar or not. Nobody's ever said that or not. Yeah, they have. They've said it a little bit differently, haven't they? You shouldn't go to that place because it has a bar. The implication is, is that if you do, you're not a good enough what? Christian. What does that have to do with anything? Well, you just had the de definition of Christian given to you. A Christian is somebody who doesn't do certain things. Folks, that's not a definition of a Christian. A Christian is somebody who's put their faith in who, folks? Jesus for what? Salvation. Right? Would you say that's pretty subtle? In fact, it's so subtle that even those who propagate it may not even know that they're doing it. Do you understand? May not even know that they're doing it. See, see, we focus on the obvious errors. But we ignore the subtle heresies. You understand? And, and by folks, let's just be honest. Can you do anything for your salvation? Only two people spoke up. Can you do anything for your salvation? No. Okay. So why would we ever entertain the thought that we have to do something else for God's acceptance? See, that's pretty subtle, isn't it? And that's happening around you. And can I be honest with you? Is that a threat? You better believe it is. What kind of threat are you talking about, George? Well, have you ever felt so down about yourself, thinking to yourself, God must not love me because I can't do all this other stuff? If you've been in church at some point, you have. That's deadly, folks. That's deadly. And how many folks have we seen walk away from Jesus simply because they couldn't do it? In a religion, 
in a faith that's based on your faith, not what you were doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, it's a very real threat, a very real threat. So let's talk about it. We're going to look at this over the next several weeks. What are we, here's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. Probably it's going to be three weeks, okay? We're going to talk today about the enemy within. We're going to introduce it. Next week, we're going to look at how God has judged them through the years. And it's happened through the years. This is not new. And then we're going to end up with the character of a false teacher a character of the false prophet, and you're going to be shocked. Because the emphasis is not so much on what they teach, but on who they are as a person. We're going to allude to it a little bit today in our passage here today. So let's look, we're going to look at verses 1 to 3. It'll be up on the screen, folks. Here's what I want you to see. Look with me. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways because the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. Wow. Let's take this. We're going to look at this. We're going to basically break it up into three sections here. Okay, We're going to see, first of all, that they're among us. All right. Then we're going to talk about those who will listen to them. See, the emphasis, whenever you talk about false teachers, it just doesn't talk about the false teachers. It talks about the kind of people who listen to them. And you might be shocked. We might actually fit into that category. And then we're going to see their judgment. They're going to face a judgment. Okay? So let's talk about the fact that they are among us. Okay? They are among us. Here's what I want you to see. Peter points out that false teachers come from within the church. They're from within us. You and I need to grasp that point. That within our churches, we are not just raising up people who are loving the Lord, wanting to serve the Lord, be there for the Lord. We have within our churches people who are false and who will end up in leadership positions. And folks, they end up in pastoral positions. They're on your radio. What do you mean they're on my radio? Folks, we just had a guy who for a long time was on your radio, came out of Chicago. People listened to him. I listened to him. And you would have thought, man, this is a great preacher. Then he got exposed as being in it for himself completely. Made close to a million dollars a year. Nobody knew what he was making. His church, it was a rule that nobody knows what the pastor makes. Wow. And that he was exploiting and doing this. Everything was for him. He's now no longer, he's off the radio, thankfully. But if I told you who it was, every one of you would say, yeah, I listened to that program. Yeah, he was a good preacher. But he was false. He was in it for himself. 
for his kingdom and still is. He wants to get back into it. Now, thankfully, what we have observed through life is, is that when those guys try to get back into it, they never have the same ministry again. But they still have some people who listen to them. See, this is the thing. Peter points out that there, that false teachers come from within the church. Listen, in fact, Peter's not the only one who made this warning. Look with me, Acts. Acts chapter 20. It'll be up on the screen. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And look at what he says. And also from among yourselves, that is right up from the church itself, he says, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking, here it is, perverse things, that's twisted things, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. These guys are only interested in getting people to what? Follow them. It's about building them up. Now, let's just stop for a moment. Have you ever had that happen before? Have you ever sat on a teacher where it wasn't about Jesus anymore? It was about them? Ever had that happen? I've had that happen. I've seen that happen. This is what we're talking about. And you and I, I'll be honest with you, are susceptible to it. Because they're right in among us. And they say the right things out loud. Do you understand? Here's the second thing he points out here in this verse, verse 1. He said, these false teachers secretly introduce teachings that corrupt the gospel. They are secretly introducing teachings that corrupt the gospel. They are subtly introducing to the message teachings that will get you to think that if you don't do certain things that you're not accepted by Jesus. Folks, your acceptance with Jesus again is only because of who, folks? Jesus and what he did on the cross. It's not because you're doing whatever's being emphasized. Do you understand? It's not because of how much you're giving in the offering. It's not because of how much you're serving in church. It's not because of the clothes you wear. It's not because of any of that. I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about the subtle ways that we pervert the gospel, right? When you think about it, you start saying to yourself, yeah, I've fallen under that. And folks, let's be honest. I can tell you, because I'm old enough now to realize it, it's a trap, isn't it? How many of us have been in that trap where we thought that God didn't look at us right because we weren't doing the right things that we were told? Now, I'm not saying that you weren't doing the right things that God told you. There's a difference. But there is another difference when a preacher gets up there and adds and twists the message, right? That's what he's talking about here. These false teachers were secretly introducing teachings to corrupt the gospel. Oh, they would all say this. Now, here's the thing. You gotta, if you were to go to them you, and you would say, well, you're teaching another gospel. No, 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 no. They would say, you have to have faith in Jesus. You have to have faith in Jesus. They all say that, right? But they also add another word in there. But, but, if you're a good Christian, here's some of them, you'll vote the right way. Really? 
Really? If you're a good Christian, you won't go here. You'll give this. You'll dress this. I mean, it goes on and on and on. It goes on and on and on. These false teachers secretly introduce teachings to corrupt the gospel. Now, you're saying to yourself, well, man, I'm glad we know this, so we're not going to be worried about this. Yeah, you do. You need to worry about this because that's what verse 2 talks about. Look at what verse 2 says. Many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Here's what I want you to see. Two things here. Number one, those who will listen. Peter points out that people are ready to follow their distorted teaching. They're ready. They're ready. I've seen that. A few years, I've been here now. All the years run together. When you're, It's amazing to be in a place 18 and a half years, Okay. So now all the years run together, but I can remember back in the early years of being here, I remember a, a lady who came to our church. She had normally been in a church that would be, we would call legalistic. And at first she liked being here. At first she liked being here, but then she, she left. And, I'm, and this happens all the time. I, usually when people show up, they're all excited and they want to join the church the first day. Just, I, I usually tell them, just wait, and they don't show up anymore. Okay? But one of the reasons I knew, I knew she wasn't going to last. Why? Because she was worried about how people dressed and worried about what could be done. But then in talking with her, I, I realized there was a guilt that was she was carrying about something from the past and, and she felt that she had to do certain things in order to be what? Accepted by Jesus. But here's the problem. You come to a church where we emphasize grace, where we don't care how you dress or how many times you... Well, we do care about how many times you show up now, okay? Thank you, you were here. Come next week, okay? But we emphasize grace, and somebody who's looking for something to do for acceptance... They're not going to feel welcome here. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're not going to feel welcome here because they are ready, listen to me, they are ready for distorted teaching that you've got to do something to be accepted with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are people who are ready for that kind of teaching. They are ready for teachers who will come and say to them, this is what you have to do to be accepted by God. Folks, you can't do anything to be accepted by God. Aren't we all aware of that? Can you do anything to, for his acceptance? No. No, because it's purely the grace of God through Christ, isn't it? But, my friends, there are a lot of people that are ready for this because they, in their mind they can't grasp grace. They can't grasp mercy. They can't grasp that God does it all. You just embrace him because they feel they got to do something. So those who listen, he says, he points out that people are ready to follow their distorted teaching. So here's the other thing he says here about these folks. Here's what he says. He says, their teachings twist and denounce the simplistic teaching of the gospel. I mean, you can't get any more simple than this, right? It's pretty simple, right? 
In order for you to have salvation, in order for you to have forgiveness, a new standing with Jesus, you need just simply believe and embrace what Jesus has done for you. There is nothing you can do for salvation. He has done it all for you. That's pretty simplistic, isn't it? Pretty simplistic. But here's what happens. When you talk about somebody who is a false teacher who's talking about gathering people to himself because there's a bunch of people who can't grasp a simple message, guess what they do? They distort it. They distort the message. That's because people are ready for it. Listen to this. Here's what, here's what I want you to see. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is where people are at. Verse 3 and 4. Listen to what Paul says. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap to themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. That's talking about people. This is why false prophets are able to do what they're doing. People are ready to listen to their messages and turn away from the truth to something that is distorted. Do you understand? Something that's distorted. And if you were to say to them, that's distorted, they can't see it. Because it's subtle. It's subtle. So then you come to verse 3, and he's going to talk about their judgment. Here's the doom. Here's what I want you to see. Look at me at verse 3. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not somber. Here's what I want you to see about their judgment. First of all, these teachers exploit people with words for personal gain. I'm going to be honest with you, folks. These people are in it for themselves. These people are in it for themselves. It is all about them. They want it to be about them. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. The church is really, if you think about it, the prime place for that to happen. You want to be important in life? You just simply need to go to church. Because in church, we make everybody important, right? And if you do the right things, and if you volunteer enough, you'll be raising up in the midst of the church. And then, but your reasoning and your motives may not necessarily be right. It may be simply because of what you're getting. Because in church, you'll have a lot of people recognize you. You'll have a lot of people give you an attaboy. And it's all about you. And that's what these guys are doing. These guys are doing it. They're doing it purely for themselves. And yes, we see the extreme of this on TV with the guy who wants to get a new jet. Send him in your seed offering. Hello? You can't even pay for your car and you're sending him money? But this is what goes on. They're doing it for personal gain, for exploitation. Exploitation, exploiting the people. And folks, they come in all stripes. They're not just Pentecostals. They're Baptists. They're Presbyterians. They're Methodists. They're non-denominational. And they're doing it for themselves. 
Do you understand? In fact, what a prime place for it to happen is a church. What do you mean? Well, thankfully I haven't had to do this, but I can remember back when Lori and I were looking for a church. And this is how we typically, if you think about it, this is how we typically find our pastors. We'll ask for resumes or we'll use a job search or whatever and we'll get a committee together and they'll go through all the resumes and they'll say, oh, I think this guy's a good guy. And he'll come in and we'll ask him questions. And I've been asked lots of questions, crazy questions. I remember one time we, we when we first started out after we were married, uh, the, this church we went to was over in in uh, near the Shemokin area near Bloomsburg and and the guy asked Lori and I well okay so if your wife goes to another church and and Lori and I are looking at each other like dumbfounded here we are we're a young couple newly married whoever thought of her going to another church now I'm sure there are days when she wants to be in another church here okay but that was the question so you sit through those kind of questions and then you get up and you do what, folks? Preach a message. And then you leave. And guess what they talk about? Not about the questions. They talk about, boy, that was a good message. He sure did preach. We need to bring him back so he can preach again. See, that's how we select our pastors. It's not necessarily on what they believe or what they hold to, but whether or not they bring a good message. Folks, when you look at the scripture, the number one means in which the false teacher deceives us is through his what? Words. Through his message. Do you understand that? Isn't that interesting? These guys are exploiting people with their words. With their words. Here's the other thing he points out here. He says this, Peter stresses that God's judgment is sure and is coming for them. God's judgment is sure and is coming for them. God's not going to let them off the hook. Some of you are thinking through the years, well, yeah, I remember I was in this guy's ministry and that's definitely describing him, but he got away with it. No, no. No, he didn't get away with it because God's timing and God's judgment is according to his timing, not your timing. And everybody will be held accountable. And scripture says that for a teacher, there will be double what? The judgment. Because we are what? Responsible for everything we teach. Isn't that interesting? You say, okay, George. All right. Where are we going with this? How does this relate to you and I? Because I'm living in Kerwinsville today, and I don't think you're a false teacher. At least I'm hoping not. Okay. Yes, I'm doing this for sweet tea. Okay, But here's what i got to warn you. And this is even concerning me. Listen to me. Two things. Number one, you cannot assume that every teacher is okay. You cannot assume that every teacher is okay is okay. I am telling you that right now. That includes one who's maybe been your pastor for a long time. You cannot assume that every teacher is okay. Why? Because I could go off the deep end, folks. I could. You would never know that. 
Because teaching that is wrong is introduced what? Subtly. Subtly. You know, one of the greatest examples of this is uh, we just celebrated the uh, 40th anniversary of this was the Guyana tragedy with Jim Jones. Remember, some of you who remember the 70s remember Jim Jones, okay? Now, Jim Jones was uh, a cult leader, but I'll be honest with you, Jim Jones didn't start out as a cult leader. He started out as a Nazarene preacher. A Nazarene preacher, the Church of the Nazarene. Church of the, we have a Church of the Nazarene right here in Clearfield. Small little congregation, good church. But he started out as a normal preacher. He got to the place where his people followed him to the place where he could tell them he was God. How do you get there? You, well, if I got up next week and told you I'm God, you'd be like, he's out of here. You'd walk on out of here. Give me your keys, George. Takes time. Subtly deceiving people. See, here's the thing. You cannot assume that every teacher is okay. That includes, can I be honest with you, the guy on the radio. I don't care how big his ministry is. It doesn't matter. What are they saying about the gospel? That's the issue. What are they implying? What are they teaching? And God give me discernment. You know, I mentioned to you the guy from Chicago. I started realizing I didn't pick it up, but after, I mean, I was sadly starting to pick it up. After a while, I quit listening to him because his messages got to be more and more like psychology. Did you understand? More and more about pop psychology and what to do about this and what to do about, and less and less about the Bible. And then the day when it was revealed what was going on, it was like, yeah, I can understand now. I can understand. See, you cannot assume that every teacher is okay because that's what he's saying here in this passage. They subtly, secretly twist. And they're doing it for who? Themselves. Here's the second thing I want you to take away from this word today. Here's the second thing. You have to guard yourself against any distortions of the truth. Guard yourself. Remember what I said when we started out this series, when we started looking at Second Peter? I said the first threat that you and I have is that we don't understand our salvation. Do you, do you understand? I told you that. I, I was sharing with you. That's what the whole focus of chapter 1 is, is getting you to understand the salvation that you have in Christ and what you're supposed to do with it. Now, because of that, he's telling you in chapter 2, you've got to be on guard because people are going to come along for their own selfish reasons and twist that. But the only one who can guard you is you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The only one who can guard you is you. I can try to help you and make you aware of things. That's what this message is. Bringing to you what Peter is saying in Second Peter to help you to be on guard yourself. But it's up to you whether or not you swallow what some guy says hook, line, and sinker. Do you understand? It's up to you. You're the one who has to decide. You're the one who has to be aware of where the twisting of the truth is. What truth? 
the truth that you are accepted by Jesus and God because of what Jesus did for you, not because of what you did for yourself. You embrace Jesus by faith, not because of what you're doing. Do you understand? You have to guard yourself against the distortions. And don't just assume everybody's okay. I'm just being honest with you. Let me pray for you.